Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there for us to spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to, uh, to talk about the games that my guests and I are playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the, some of the people who make these games. Well, if you've listened to Cast Eyes long enough, and we just hit our 100th episode, uh, you will know that every now and again, I pull out a passion project, or we talk about something slightly off topic. Now, this is one of those episodes. Now, if you've been following the Cast Dice YouTube channel, you would have seen that I've started a YouTube series called G.I. Joe on the Tabletop. And that's where I talk about my ongoing project to sort of recreate the G.I. Joe collection of my childhood in 156-28mm bolt-action scale. Now, most of those videos uh, basically involve either myself or myself and a, and a couple of guests uh, digging into particular characters or unit builders from the G.I. Joe universe, usually Cobra stuff, uh, be it alley vipers to Cobra eels to snow serpents to all the, the toys that I loved playing with as a kid uh, but wanted to recreate in 28 millimeter. It's often talking about the visual cues that you would need to have if you are converting bolt action scale models to being, uh, you know, so that if you looked at a tabletop, you would immediately say, oh, that's a Cobra Ninja or that's a Cobra Eel and not just a generic Frogman or generic, you know, Red Ninja. Now, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because today, you know, we've hit 100 episodes. This is 101. And I thought I'd have a little fun. And I've invited on one of the most prolific voices on the G.I. Joe interwebs, someone who I'm a big fan of, who's going to help me with a part of the G.I. Joe-verse that I am completely a noob at. Uh, I've only <laughs> recently, I've known it's, I know it, it existed, but I haven't dug into the, the nitty-gritty of it. And I need help with it because today we're going to get into the British slash international branch of G.I. Joe. We're going to dig into Action Force, and there is literally no one in the world better than having Chris McLeod, a.k.a. Diagnostic 80, from the Full Force podcast on. The man knows his stuff. Chris, welcome to Cast Dice. I have to agree with all of that. That was the trick. Like, yeah, I'm the, the quintessential voice. Of the <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep a straight face. Dude, that was a lovely intro. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, there are many people better than me, better versed than I on this particular uh, kind of uh, subject matter, shall we say. But I'm really happy to be on. I'm really happy you invited me, and I can't wait to get stuck into this. Thank you so much, Brad. Oh, man, it's just awesome. It's I know we talked about this off air, but and I know I've said this before, but it's it's as a podcaster who listens to other podcasts, a, a podcast lover, it's it's a little weird to actually be able to speak to another podcaster that you spend so much time listening to and then yeah. speak to and have you speak back to me. It's very strange. Is it weird? Are it, you, are you yeah. completely freaked out right now? I am a little I, freaked out. Honestly, I, I, I don't know where you get the time to listen to stuff because I feel like I'm editing 24-7 or 25-9. Yes. I think I've had to create days and hours that don't yes. exist in real life. 
and it's I, I feel like I don't have enough time to listen to to enjoy myself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's oh, yeah. crazy. I but yeah, you know, I have managed to kind of sneak in a couple of your uh, episodes as well, and I, I'm really a, a because like as a kid, I really enjoyed tabletop kind of miniature military stuff. I just loved all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. like I was a big Warhammer fan. Yeah, I was like a. You know, I think that was really what kind of got me into the tabletop gaming aspect of things. Mm-hmm. But before that, my granddad was a huge influence on me. And uh, he would buy me little kind of like, you know, the kind of uh, die cast uh, miniature mm-hmm. military like World War Two, like the British kind of forces and the Germans and the Japanese. And Britons, I just, right? Abs- That's what they are. Uh, yeah. A- yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved them. And. He even built this amazing fort from scratch. And it was like the, the guy was a genius. And he was also a big model train kind of fan. So mm-hmm. like everything I've kind of, you know, I, I, the, I, everything that is about me nowadays is really through him in, a, in, a, in an odd, odd, odd kind of way. But it's, nice. it's thanks to him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. It, it's great when uh, those the loves of the past generation are sort of passed on yeah. to the, the future. We see that with uh, some friends of the show who started playing, like Patch, who started playing uh, Warhammer with his eight-year-old son, who's now, nice. you know, w- Space Marine mad. And you just go, that that's cool. You know, Absolutely. That, you know. I mean, I, and I, again, like, it, it's kind of still happening to this day. I picked up that... Um, the intercessor, the uh, the yep. big kind of Bandai blue space mm-hmm. marine figure, and it's just awesome. And right. like I was, I was a huge Blood Blood Angels fan as a mm-hmm. kid. It's kind of like, I, I I just I know it was like the obvious one to kind of be a fan of, but like it just I just remember getting that set of Blood Angels, and it was you know poorly painted by myself, but you know I just really enjoyed that process and. Uh, for me, it was it was other things like you know like Space Hulk was a big one for me yeah. as well. Like I I remember getting that board that kind of that set and just being like oh my god this is amazing. Just right? kind of just yeah. messing around with the little plastic you know figures that came with it. You know just things like that. I just really enjoyed that aspect of it. But no, I've I've kind of grown into in a, in a weird way the tabletop gaming aspect through a friend of my dad's who he was in the forces with uh, Martin Doyle and David McLeod, uh, my dad. And um, we've we've bonded many a time over a tabletop gaming session, and mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Well, I grew up with give. I had my mother um, had a lot of international friends, and she used to give. Uh, we we'd get visitors from overseas, and quite a few of them were British in the early days. Yeah, and so you know, what do British guests give to? Uh, American families um, who have very young sons. Well, I got Britons. And so from a very early age, I had the Britons toys. Um, And of course, I had the bucket of uh, toy soldiers. And um, I would watch, you know, World War II movies uh, Guns and Navarone with my uncle, and I would, you know, just I mean, they were on constantly it. as well, right? weren't they? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, like every afternoon, it was just like, oh, six movies in a row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guess that's what we're watching, Nan. Yeah, that exactly. I know, I know the feeling right mm-hmm. there. But it, it was because of that that when I walked into this toy shop the first time and I saw the wall, 1982, the original run of GI Joe on the wall, I went yes, because not only did mm. you get, you know, those army men that in the Britons, like in, in 
three and three quarter inch scale. Amazing. Yeah. They had better articulation than the Star yes. Wars figures. They were just, even though at that point they didn't have swivel arm, it was literally like doing the robot with their arms. It was yeah. very few points of articulation. Um, Do you know what's just <clears throat> dawned on me? And this is going to this is going to sound really stupid. And I think everyone that's in the listening is going to lose all respect for me as a <laughs> as an Action Force fan. I think I've just realized why Flint was so iconic and not just iconic, but so utilized in that that kind of rebrand of Action Force, which I'll get to the history later. But when when it was rebranded in like 87 Mm -hmm. to the Hasbro card backs, like there's just the Action Force, but basically G.I. Joe figures. Flint was a huge part of that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he just had a beret on. And obviously, as kids in the UK, we were all about paras about mm-hmm. uh, marine commandos and all those kind of guys who had you know, like the green berets and like had the the berets on like yeah. we, that was that was like again we had so many of those miniature diecast britons figures that had the berets i think that's why flint was just so so well loved as a character well not to sound completely creepy i know that your first uh I think American style uh, action force figures yeah, that is creepy. was was, was <laughs> Flint and Quick Kick. Am I making that up? Unreal. Okay. Now I feel I feel violated. Sorry, now, but no, that's that. that's amazing, man. That is that's not research. That is just knowing somebody. Well, Congratulations. You, you've mentioned it once or twice, so just quietly. A thousand um, times. But every, if you th- every episode, yeah. But if you think about Quick Kick, though, he <laughs> didn't have a beret. In fact, he didn't look the part. And so, you know, whereas if you know, Flint is a very easy uh, yeah. drawback, and he connects to most of what the Palatoy original Action Force figures were, which again we'll talk about in a sec. Whereas Quick Kick's like. And some of the oh, other G.I. The... Joe characters, you look at them going, yeah. did the crayon box just throw up on you? What's going on there? Well, actually, with Quick Kick, I mean, he was just because Bruce Lee was massive as well at the right. time. I mean, right. I remember as a kid going into VHS shops and picking up Action Force VHS tapes, but also grabbing Big Boss, Enter mm-hmm. the Dragon, whatever, whatever was go, whatever was there at the time. Like, I just remember rinsing through Bruce Lee movies. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, again, it was that wave of like, you know, karate kung fu martial arts was just massive at that time yeah. and yeah i think that that was why quick kick was in there but you're right it is it's a smorgasbord isn't it you look at like, this, that, that that group of characters and it's like some are like really strict military some are just all over the place and it's i, I just think it's it kind of adds to this huge character that is uh that is gi joe you know it's amazing it is but when i walked in that gi joe aisle of toys r us way back when in 82 and i saw them up there the very first one i grabbed was grunt because nice. he looked like you know because i was looking at like here's a black a guy in black all black <laughs> nothing on him but black snake <laughs> eyes and of course if i'd read the comics in advance i would have been like oh my god snake eyes let me I grab that snake guy eyes. Yeah, yeah. or rock and roll <laughs> Like the guy with the beard and the giant machine gun that, you know, mm-hmm. like that is cool um, because and the bullet cross belts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. exactly. He looks he looks the part. But I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get the one that looks like the army man. And I got mm. the most generic G.I. Joe there is grunt. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, shortly thereafter, I started getting more Joes and I got the first comic. Uh, it was a double sized issue of issue one. And it it really sort of painted the scene and that from then on mm. it was like okay gotta get stalker gotta get snake eyes gotta get scarlet mm-hmm. gotta get rock and roll all my favorites from uh, the back of that there was the short comic uh mini comic um hot potato 
So yeah, yeah, big fan. That's one of my favorite Joe comics ever. And so for me, it's like had to get all the characters from that. And I will come back to the mini comics in a second because that will tie to Palatoy. But um, yeah, it it's funny how for me, GI Joe is why I do tabletop. And so I just became so obsessed in collecting GI Joe that later on when I got into gaming, which was about the same time I quote unquote outgrew GI Joe. (laughs) <laughs> well, it had largely to do with the fact that I'd moved to Japan and I couldn't get the toys there, but I could get right. the comic books, which were hugely popular um, in the U.S. They were one of Marvel Comics' top-selling comics. So naturally, uh, all the because we're living in Japan and my dad taught on military bases, I was able to get tons and tons of American comics for you know American prices. And you know, given that I didn't have a ton of money at that point. Um, yeah. living in Japan and the exchange rate being wretched, it went, yeah, cool. I can get these comics. And I would get comics every week, but the one that I always wanted was G.I. Joe. So I read the comics way past when I stopped um, mm. collecting the toys. So yeah, anyway. But the, of course, that then tied into when I started gaming and eventually it all came full circle and I wanted to put my G.I. Joes on that tabletop. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Chris, oh. um, now that we've sort of done our rambling preamble, um, let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Action Force. Now, Action Force and G.I. Joe were not initially linked. Action Force is actually started out as Action Man, right? Can you talk us through the evolution from the 12-inch to the 3 and 3 quarter? How, how does this yeah, all sure. come together? Well, what's quite interesting is that you, you say they're not really linked, but in, in fact, in terms of like the the um, in terms of like the actual physical behind the scenes kind of shenanigans Mm. hasbro always had a really good um kind of uh relationship with palatoy and used them often yeah so like you know gi the the original gi joe the 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 fighting man that was just action man in the uk and uh they changed the name obviously for that kind of relatability obviously it wasn't you know gi joe was just going to be like a what does that even mean kind of thing in the in the uk and, and and europe so you know, they they changed the name to Action Man effectively in in that sense. Uh, so that was like in the 60s. Palatoy were, you know, I think originally Palatoy were actually just like, they were into all sorts of different things, like, you know, plastic-based mm-hmm. kind of production of, of all sorts of different things. And then, you know, kind of got into this the kind of toy world. And then uh, in terms of Action, in terms of Action Man, that was like in 66, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we had you know, like your kind of original action man and you know, kind of SAS paratroopers and also, you know, like little, uh, we even had um, England football players kind of, you know, you know, the, the kind of costumes for the, the kits and stuff like that. Nice. So we had kind of all sorts of cute little um, action man kind of things. And then as, as action man started to kind of evolve, they, it, it what's interesting is that Palatoy actually were behind a lot of the innovations in that 12 inch arena shall we say yeah. so flock tear came from the uk um the kung fu grip which was originally the gripping hand actually came from bob breakin who Did it? was the one yeah so bob breakin is like the, the the kind of you know one of the lead designers one of one of the he's kind of like one of those kind of guys that you say bob breakin he's like the legend of palatoy almost yeah. you know like he's the he's the one he, we're actually very good friends with him my wife and i are very good friends with bob we we spend a lot of time with him when we go back to the UK. Well, not at the moment, because obviously with you know what's yeah, going on. COVID. But mm. when we do get back there, we do spend a lot of time with Bob, and he's a lovely man, and we just have so much fun chatting and everything. And he 
obviously is behind so many of the most amazing developments and designs in Action Man and Action Force. But kind of coming back to, to Bob, he actually, it's his hand that the gripping hand is modeled off. So he sculpted that off his own hand. I didn't um, know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm, again, I, I think a lot of people that are listening to this, our Action Force fans will know that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, that's a bit of that's a bit of knowledge for you. So anyway, a lot of those developments came via Palatoy and then we, you know, obviously sent back to Hasbro and Hasbro developed them for the, for the G.I. Joe line. So, you know, a lot of those different things were developed, like I said, in the UK. And this kind of will literally say this relationship continued. Now, what was really interesting in 82 is that obviously you got Hasbro developing and releasing at Toy Fair this this new range of action figures it's like oh gi joe it looks amazing and it's you know multiple points of articulation at the same time palatoy completely unbeknownst to both companies are developing this five point of articulation um three and three quarter inch action figure range now it's all really due to a, a few little kind of factors going into this for one thing Star Wars was such a huge, huge hit mm-hmm. in the UK. And obviously the fact that Palatoy were given the, the the kind of Star Wars reigns for the UK kind of distribution. So they were, they were kind of creating Star Wars figures for that market. Um, you know, so you, you, so you, there are actually, you know, Star Wars Palatoy carded mm-hmm. action figures out there, obviously, if you weren't aware of that, it wasn't just all Kenner. So obviously we had this kind of, again, this really good relationship of, of overseas, you know, with Palatoy. And um, because of that was, because that was so huge, they wanted that for, you know, they wanted to kind of develop something in the kind of action man range. They wanted to basically make all of their top selling action man figures um, smaller because obviously you had the kind of crisis with the oil that was going on at the time. So that That's was right. kind of making the 12 inch figures too expensive to produce so, you know, with that, they kind of reverted to this kind of much smaller size figure. And they, th- they said, right, let's, let's get the 12 best-selling action man figures at the time or at the kind of era, and let's put them in to a range, a small range of, of, of action force, we'll call them. And obviously also have, they still had the action man brand on there too, to obviously so that kids would be able to make that link and they kind of say like, you know, or, or even parents that were buying it as well would make that link that, oh, this is an action man related. They're just smaller versions, yada, yada, yada. So they did this off their own back. All of a sudden Hasbro and Palatoy realized, oh, look, you know, we're <laughs> both making action figures mm-hmm. of the same size. But, but you know, you, you, you kind of have to say, you know, the G.I. Joe, the build, the construction was far superior. Of course it was. It was, it was incredible. That doesn't mean that the, you know, the five point of articulation Palatoy figures don't have their charm they certainly do right um and, and it was kind of what's interesting here is that i had action man and i had hand me down action force figures but my really like when i got into really collecting action force was in 87 the rebrand now prior to that so in 82 we have this first wave of figures come out like i said you know world war ii influenced mm-hmm. um future in like you know kind of yeah. future tech future soldier influence with the arctic assault and jungle assault figures so you had lots of different things you had a german stormtrooper as well in there as well so you have lots of different kind of aesthetics going on 
then in 83. So hold on, hold on. Let's, I'm going to quickly, I have a couple quick questions before we jump to the 83. So 82, no, no, that's (laughs) just to clarify for folks who aren't as familiar. When you have been saying five point of articulation, it is, it's very much like the Star Wars range where the Mm, arms are one piece. They're not, they Mm -hmm. don't have an elbow joint and then, and the legs don't have knee joints. So if they had elbow and knee joints, it would be the nine points of articulation that we see Mm. in the G.I. Joe original 1982 range, which yes, becomes absolutely. 11 points when they start having the the, the arm twisting. Um, in yeah, the swivel arm battle grip. Yes, yeah. Swivel, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that is, and I would assume because Palatoy, I just assumed, but I, I thought I'd ask someone who knows, um, the reason they went to five points of articulation was because that is the same articulation that was in the Star Wars figures, the Palatoy. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. It was almost like, you know, it was what's worked for us, what's been successful, these have, let's do more of that. So right. they were they were kind of going in that direction, whereas in the States, obviously, they designed and they, you know, kind of um, improved on what had come before, in a sense. So, yeah, it was uh, quite interesting times at that, that, that stage. So... So, like, or, so that ha- so, really quick, in 82, before we jump to the 83, though, um, you yes. did mention it, but I think this is very important to where we're going to go conversationally in a second. Yes. For yes. those who are not familiar, so, let me just read through some of the characters that we got in the 82 range. As you say, it was 12 sort of generic guys. None of them were named. Um, there was, you mentioned Arctic Assault and Jungle Assault, which were sort of futuristic uh, outfits mm. by comparison, but you also had the World War II Desert Rat. You had the German Stormtrooper. You had the Australian Jungle Fighter. You have the British yeah. Marine. You have a, a British yeah. Commando. Um, you have SAS Frogmen. You have U.S. Paratrooper from World War II. Um, and there's other pe- other things in there like a Deep Sea Diver. Um, we have... Uh, night patrol actually, i mean there was actually there was a couple of waves in that first year in actual fact so mm-hmm. you had you did have uh, i think arctic assault and ground assault i think they actually came in the later and it was mountain and arctic was the first oh, okay. um i, I just I, I think um unless no mountain yeah mountain and arctic was in the first wave in 82 and that was like an all white kind of skis kind of guy and then uh, they used the same body then for arctic assault which right. was um you know following that and uh they just repainted that for um, a number of times but yeah yeah carry on sorry there's there's loads well what i'm getting at there is they spent a lot of time uh creating those figures and there was some chop and change of parts between figures where they use similar pieces and that's common we see that in the gi joe range as well that that isn't just a palatoy thing for example uh the duke figure has um gung-ho's boots and has i believe it's doc's pelvis um and so there's different there's different um carryovers and they just chop and change the pieces to create characters later on um often weapons are carried over as well um it's just to um cut down on how much production needs and they can just retool and recolor something rather than having to completely remake it and that is seen significantly in the 83 run which is which is why i interrupted you sorry um for um action force because, and this will become very relevant in a second when we start talking about how we could possibly put Action Force figures on the tabletop, because so many of those parts and pieces come from a World War II aesthetic, uh, which yes. we happen to have a million 28 millimeter pieces of. <laughs> so on that That's note, shall we jump to 83, where Palatoy yeah, so- and Hasbro start working hand to hand? 
Well, yes. I mean, initially, um, Bob had been tasked with separating the kind of almost like creating like a, a bad guys for like, you know, because it was like the, the first wave of stuff in 82 was very much like it's just figures and it's just, you know, mm -hmm. there you go. And it wasn't like a narrative with a story and right. all this kind of other stuff. So Bob was tasked with this this kind of idea of can you create some sort of storyline, some sort of narrative? And Bob actually created this really interesting thing where, and you like this because it, you know, obviously it relates World War II and, and that kind of era, but he created initially a bad group called the Jarmins. Now, that sounds a little bit like the Germans, doesn't it? Does. it? <laughs> I was Which just thinking was, that. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of where the name came from in his head. But the Jarmins were these kind of like, you know, like red and black um, kind of decoed, kind of uh, future-y kind of like... Um, characters that he kind of developed and i believe he's got um i think he's got like images of the stuff but i don't think he's ever shown any of those images of, the, of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um so i could be wrong about that but i i think i've seen some of it but i'm not sure how shall we say uh public that is yeah. the, obviously the knowledge is public but i'm not sure how how much the images are public so um so anyway he created this kind of like bad guy group and that that group that he kind of like scribbled down and, and made these kind of characters out of morphed into what we know as the Red Shadows, which became the bad guy group of uh, this kind of narrative that he was creating, where it was going to be Action Force were going to be like this kind of, you know, um, international special mission force that was going to kind of have this this bad group to deal with, which was the Red Shadows, which was a uh, terrorist organization that were all around the globe causing all sorts of issues and problems and Action Force were there to sort it out. Now, another thing that Bob did was he split up the the, the kind of Action Force into multiple teams. And um, we're still actually, technically at this stage, we're not really in the Hasbro connection right. uh, at the moment. Obviously, yes, the, the two still have a relationship. They're still very much discussing things and, and talking about, you know, and, and kind of working together. But at this point, they are making five point of articulation sub teams um, with, like I said, Red Shadows was the bad guy team. Then you had the SAS, which obviously were huge in the UK at that oh, yeah. time. It was like they were like the Beatles of the military, like it, especially with the the uh, Iranian embassy siege mm -hmm. and and multiple missions that had become uh, public knowledge, uh, kind of been kind of like released to the public, and had created this kind of almost like this mythical creature in the SAS you know, um, commando. Mm -hmm. So SAS obviously was one of those teams that the, the Palatoy Bob, they wanted kind of to include as this team. And then he made up a bunch of other teams. So he had like the ground kind of like the infantry, which was Z force. Uh, then obviously we had the, the kind of water-based naval squad, which was the Q force. Uh, and then on top of that, they also kind of pushed out into the upper atmosphere <laughs> yep. with space force. And, and they were obviously kind of, monitoring all of the the kind of actions that were going on below them so that is what that's how they kind of split everything up and then from that uh bob created these kind of characters and designed you know it wasn't just bob obviously there was a, there was a design team involved here right. but, but bob was kind of leading the way with this kind of stuff and especially with the red shadows where he de designed and developed a lot of incredible original characters and vehicles he did right i mean just looking at those it's such an interesting, I mean, everything in the Palatoy 83 range, when you look at it, is it's almost instantly recognizable if you've been oh, following yeah. military 
history at any point and or played yeah. with G.I. Joe as a kid. Like you look at these and go, oh, yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it almost makes sense that the two of them eventually merged later on. Spoilers. But, Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But to look at the Red Shadows in particular, they are so easily identifiable as the quote-unquote bad guys and it's not just the Absolutely. giant skulls on their chest it's, <laughs> it's I mean, the giant skull tie fighter that, uh, <clears throat> that is yes. quite affectionately known as the robo skull yes i mean that is just yeah. it's one of the most iconic vehicles even so i mean it's quite funny how i've seen almost the united states come around to like acknowledging this like seeing this this vehicle for the first time in the last say i don't know like six or seven years you know like in that time period it's amazing how much the united states has like opened up to this amazing design aesthetic and obviously the robo skull has kind of almost like carved a, a a path to action force for a lot of these american kind of collectors which is is amazing really for those of you who aren't familiar with the robo skull um imagine a tie fighter where the middle eyeball so to speak that that bulb in the middle is a giant skull. Imagine the whole thing's painted red, and in, in the eye sockets are cannons. <laughs> Amazing. Now times that by 50, and you should have something close to a robo-skull. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sorry, bad, <laughs> bad comparison. But yeah, just a general... That was really view. good explanation, yeah. But <laughs> with, with the Red Shadows in particular, I mean, of course we had Baron Ironblood, who is the uh, quote-unquote... Yeah. Well, is the big boss, the the evil... Yeah, he's the Cobra Commander, yeah. Thing. I, was, I was trying to avoid saying that, but the like, evil mastermind. Uh, and of course, literally yeah. Cobra Commander, he, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he becomes it in, in a few short years. Uh, but he's wearing, you know, the opposite of everyone else. He's wearing white, but he does have the giant red V on his chest with the skull. But he's got, you know, the Ned Kelly-esque, uh, for those who are not familiar with Ned Kelly, uh, another thing you should probably look up if you like cowboys and Indians. Uh, he's a bush ranger who made body armor and um, stood off against uh, a police assault wearing armor made out of stove plate, I believe, uh, mm. like metal plating sewn into his clothing. Anyway, he's got this this giant uh, tubular helmet stuck on his head. Um, very the coal bucket. Yeah, exactly, right? Looks like he's got a giant bucket. Um, he also looks like the Guns N' Roses guitar player, Buckethead. Anyway, um, he's, yeah. the, he's the bad guy, obviously the mastermind. But then all of his minions, I mean, you, I don't think you could have created a more iconic easily no. to identify group of evil henchmen as these guys let's take exactly. nazi uniforms let's yeah. turn them red with like yeah. sinister black piping and then put helmets on them that still look kind of stormtroopery but completely yeah. obscure their faces and put them into almost a point so that it they don't look human anymore yeah right absolutely. it's absolutely they are and ironically it was well not ironically it was the red uh the red shadow trooper that yeah. initially got me thinking oh wow you could really easily do this project if you wanted to put action force and their villains on the tabletop because yeah. literally all you would need if you have the bolt action um german grenadiers box just early war germans and you swapped their heads and painted them red. Ta-da! Done. <laughs> Easy. Uh, and it, that is literally it. And they, I mean, they look fantastic. 
They are they are a very cool aesthetic, and you would have an army that doesn't look like anyone else's. Yeah. So, uh, am I am I summarizing this about right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that the the red shadow is again. It's one of the most iconic designs as well. Like it, it the helmet is so weird that it kind of doesn't work and does work at the exact same time. Yes. It's, it's almost it's got the vibe for me of it's like it's like a less exaggerated um, uh, Death Star um gunner exactly. i believe it's the gunner the good the one with a huge kind mm -hmm. of double kind of shovel front and back going in opposite directions but it's kind of like <laughs> yes. that shape where it's like you know like cutting almost the chin off so the, the a lot of the a lot of the kind of imagination that would run through not just mine but many other action force fans uh have, have mentioned this as well it almost feels like you know these the people that are under those helmets have had a lot of work done on their actual face or maybe mm -hmm. you've had their jaw removed so that the actual helmet could fit on because if you look at the shape of that helmet it cuts through where someone's natural jawline yes. would be and so these horrible things like where it's like almost like the helmet's cybernetically implanted onto them kind of thing through the bottom of their mouth in a really horrible painful way and it's just things like that that you kind of i mean all of these amazing designs that that bob and the team kind of came up with although bob did a lot of the red shadow stuff if not all of it um you know he he just it like it just gives you these awful things in your imagination and that's the perfect way to do it because they're the bad guys you've mm -hmm. got to be thinking horrible things are going on here you know like and and the stories that came along with them in the comics which were running you know side by side at, the, at this time you know, um, they really bled like life into these characters and breathed life. I should have said, but bled sounds kind of much better with these bad guys. They really and do, right? Yeah. The, uh, yeah, and like the kind of some of the stories behind some of the the origins of some of the characters is, are so gory, mm -hmm. and you know, like these are kids' comics as well, like yes. kids' narrative. And the stuff we had to put up with as kids was insane. But at the same time, you know, it, it was all amazing stuff and made you want to read them and, and play yeah. with the figures too. Well, G. So anyway. G.I. Joe had that, the G.I. Joe brand had that reputation, right? Where it's red lasers yeah. versus blue lasers and, yes. you know, a vehicle just blows up and people parachute out. Regardless of whether or not it was a land vehicle, an air vehicle, or underwater, they always not just parachute out and we're fine. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, but if you read the comic, I, I didn't. Because I moved countries and moved around, I didn't see the cartoon as much as I said. I read a lot of the comics. Yes, and so for yeah. me, Larry Hama's comics, um, they were always more realistic. People did oh, die. Yeah. Uh, Cobra Troopers in particular did die. And even main yeah. characters would die sometimes. But even looking back now, you're like, oh, wow, a lot more people should have died there. However, yeah. uh, over Christmas last year, we had a couple of ridiculously hot days in Australia and the house we were staying in just didn't have air conditioning living up to snuff oh. except for one little room that we cranked it up and our ancient dogs needed to be in a cold room oh. and so we were sort of locked in a hot you know a hot house in a cold room for a couple of days and in that time it was literally when I discovered that all of the action force comics are on the blood for the Baron website nice. by the way kids if you that haven't treasure found trove blood for the baron look it up but i read all of the mini comics from beginning to end in a couple of days and there's a couple of things that jumped out at me and one of them was oh my god dark um <laughs> this is oh yeah this is not your your stereotypical gi joe comic where you're going oh you know bad guys will survive to fight another day no dead 
and you know good yeah. guys yeah. dead and yeah. they had to have you mentioned eat the sub teams of action force on the good yes. guys side but there's a generic trooper in each of those for a reason there are red yeah. shirts ladies and gentlemen and they're dying in droves and it's brutal yes big time i'm mean, so like you'd have like so the sas had the attack trooper that was the the kind of various you know the various kind of code mm -hmm. no personal names i should say uh they were they were the kind of like the sas kind of fodder should we should we kind of throw it into the comic and like they would have some serious casualties but i don't think anyone suffered casualties or any team suffered more casualties than zed force like oh, I know man. Red Shadows, obviously there was yes. like Red Shadows had a lot of kind of kind of like the uh, almost like the um, suicide kind of the, the, you know the extremists. Mm -hmm. So they would they're all brainwashed. So if the Baron Ironblood wanted to kind of get like you know escape and he would like sacrifice a lot of his men. So Red Red Shadows would die often. You know not even just because Action Force were killing them. Sometimes they were killing themselves. So you know yeah. there was obviously a lot of Red Shadows death. But Zed Force infantrymen dropped like there was no tomorrow. And they even at one point had in the comic, like a there was like this kind of thing where it's like, this is this am, this many casualties. And it, we were talking like 500 casualties. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what? So, yeah, I mean, infantrymen from Zed Force got, got taken out a lot. Um, Space Force had kind of security troopers and security patrollers, mm -hmm. but they... It, what's funny about Space Force is actually each character that was created as a toy did actually have a uh, code name. Yeah. So what they did with Space Force was they would just have generic kind of patrollers and security troopers and pilots, you know, but obviously and engineers. But obviously the commander and the and Moon Dancer they kind of like you know were their own characters. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, um, they all had code names as toys. So it was. You know, in terms of Space Force, they didn't necessarily have a trooper that you could kind of single out as a figure, but obviously they're all quite. There's a couple of generic looking ones anyway, so you can kind of use those for that for that that aspect. And for those and paying same... attention at home, though, there was one Australian Space Force guy. I know because in the comic book, he absolutely <laughs> threw a boomerang at a, a Red Shadow Trooper <laughs> on a space station. Just saying. Amazing. It's. We've actually covered these. Um, yes, uh, we have. So we've actually covered these comics in uh, what's it called? In Disorder of Battle, myself and uh, Brian. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, is it Kiwi you're referring to? Because he's actually from New Zealand. Um, oh, is he? That, yeah, and he is. Um, he's the engineer as the figure. Um, I'm just trying to think. But there there's, is a moment where one of them said, "When my time in Australia, an Aboriginal oh, elder yeah, sorry, taught me." I, no, there is. Yeah, Blastoff. Yeah, Blastoff Blast Off. is actually yeah. Uh, Australian. Yeah. So the, again, it's what I do like about uh, Action Force is the fact that you've got so many different kind of nationalities involved. Exactly. That even I get even I get confused with it. So I mean, you've got like Russians and you know, like, like I said, New Zealand, Australia, mm -hmm. uh, Ohio. I think the uh, commanders from as well. Yep. So you've got like in the U.S., you, which it's is its crazy. own country. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Ohio is definitely the same country. Yeah. And Sweden as well, because uh, Hawkwind's from Sweden. That's right. So, you yes, you've got some, like, it's such, it, it's, it's vast. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, and they, they used to play on the stereotypes in the comics quite dramatically. So, I believe there's a didgeridoo in that issue that we were referring <clears> to. Yes, there is. Boomerang gets thrown as well. So, 
it's like, oh man, he's Nick didgeridoo and the and the boomerang, and it's like, have you got any more? Maybe his crocodile Dundee yeah. VHS tapes been stolen as well. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> it, it is a little, <laughs> it, but it, it at the same time, it's a little dated too in the way yeah, that he refers to the time, aboriginal yeah. elder it's like oh we don't use those terms anymore exactly ooh. exactly uh, but you know in 1982 that would have been exactly how things were and you go oh this is this Ouch. is not this is not a larry hama gi joe comic <laughs> no. exactly exactly and um, then again like yeah it's definitely of its time in those comics but like i said brian uh, hickey and myself we do a show called disorder of battle uh we're a bit behind at the moment i've, I've still got part two of uh, this ridiculous, like the one of the longest running comic stories ever, and it's just taking us so long to to kind of get set sorted out for that. But anyway, we we love doing those. So if you uh, are interested, you can check those out on our YouTube channel. Uh, sorry, quick plug. That was horrible. No, but, that was exactly right. But one of the things you guys talk about on that show, and I think this also reflects the sort of the brutal nature of the comic, since we're talking about that, is the Wilhelm yeah. scream. Um, <laughs> why don't you explain I... that? Because it, it it totally sums up a lot of where it this comes, goes it comes up in literally every comic we look at in the old battle action force kind of era so we had this comic in 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 the uk called battle it was a long running well like kind of you know military for kids mm-hmm. <laughs> i say for kids it's, yeah, exactly it's really brutal uh comic and it was you know like it was a long running and it was when action force came out they 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 kind of released these special mini comics in battle mm-hmm. and they're the action force mini comics that came with battle um and they they were so popular that it basically they wanted to do more comics for action force and they just incorporated battle they just said right from now on it's going to be called battle action force and it's that's what you're going to focus on and these comics became action force related you know subject matter but then also the old stuff that was running in the old battle comics would pop mm-hmm. up every now and again, like Johnny Red and Charlie's War and things like that. So you'd still get those little stories pop up, but effectively it became Battle Action Force. And that's where we get these incredible, you know, stories of Q Force and 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 Space Force and mm-hmm. Z Force and SAS and Red Shadows. And it was fleshed out into this ridiculously large universe. And so that as we're kind of going through 82 and 83 the action figure arena uh, within Action Force changed slightly and they started incorporating in that the kind of next iteration um, within the five point of articulation figures, they started incorporating the odd G.I. Joe build mm-hmm. and vehicle into the line. Now, what the, the reason behind it was, or the, the idea behind it was that the G.I. Joe figures were better articulated and could fit into, could be fitted into seated positions into the vehicles a lot easier now um, and a lot better. So they just made, it just made sense that they kind of used those as vehicle drivers. So, for example, Snake Eyes became Stalker. Mm-hmm. A little bit confusing. Not there. confusing at and, all. Yep. And he was... <laughs> He was a slight repaint where they was given like a gray face mask and some gray kind of touch-ups. And not, it's it's a really minimal paint job. Yeah. Uh, and thrown into the um, Panther, which was the vamp. So that was basically the SAS Panther redecoed as the as an SAS vehicle. And Snake Eyes was thrown into that. Quarrel was created for Z-Force and mm-hmm. she was a repaint of Scarlet. And she was on the, the Ram, the rapid attack motorcycle Mm -hmm. so you know you had these kind of like you know you the uses for those figures were strictly vehicle 
you know, drivers at that point. And that's what we had, this kind of like like mixture of two eras in one in that kind of 83 uh, 80, 84 yeah. vibe. But it got even more almost confusing because not only did you were, did yep. you see a reprint of, or a repaint, I should say, of yeah. um, certain G.I. Joe characters, as you mentioned, Cor- Squirrel, uh, Scarlet repainted blonde as Quarrel as the motorcycle driver. Mm-hmm. And you also saw the G.I. Joe vehicles repainted for Action Force. Um, yep. and, you know, the, the Panther you mentioned was repainted black with yellow highlights to match um, SAS Force. Yes. And there was a huge number of vehicles that were just brought over, like the Mobat. But you also saw innovations on some of those vehicles. And I suppose we can kind of get to those in a second. For example, um, the G.I. Joe APC, one of my favorite vehicles oh, of all time, beautiful. was redone for Action Force. But they Better. Be- well, <laughs> yes. I, I'm not going to argue with that. But if um, you couldn't bend most Action Force characters at the knee as you mentioned they didn't fit in vehicles as well because they they didn't bend their knees and they didn't bend at the waist and so you couldn't have them sit and so you couldn't i mean most of the the point of the apc is when you took the the shell off the back it was a it was a character holder because you could have all your characters sit in the chairs and then stand on the pegs but you know you wouldn't be able to get there were actually not enough action force vehicle drivers that you would put in the back of this thing to sit in the chairs because the regular troopers wouldn't sit. So they, mm. they redid it to be a command post inside and it looks yes. amazing. It's but incredible. It, not to mention they also did a much better weapon system with an opening turret on the top. Oh, so beauty, good. Beauty. And they gave it camouflage paint that would, yeah, it just looked great anyway. Um, but not only that, but then, I mean, just getting into, I mean, we talked about Space Force a second ago, the, mm. um, the basic trooper, uh, security trooper for Space Force, um, has a G.I. Joe weapon. He has yeah. Flash's laser rifle. Um, yeah. and you know, the, you mentioned, uh, a number of Action Force characters, but they are holding weapons that were originally designed for and cast for G.I. Joe, but they're often recolored and then combined yeah. with these vi- with these figures. And it's an interesting mix of World War II weaponry, um, which is a holdover from the 1982 range, and the G.I. Joe weaponry, which was sort of a nod back to earlier days to start with. So the weapons, yeah. it, it's a really interesting mix and blend well, the characters themselves didn't blend. But even some of the later Action Force vehicles used missiles and guns off of yeah. G.I. Joe vehicles from previous editions. And it just, things just blended. It was it was a very interesting toy range. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's also like, you've got to, we, as kids, we were kind of like, just expected to understand this and just kind of let it breeze over us. But like, when you really think about it, there's a lot of confusing kind of, you know, contradictions going on within that line and then uh, and then what happens like following that so obviously we had so we had that original 82 line which was like you know we mentioned was the kind of early kind of action man mm-hmm. made smaller and then kind of grown a little bit with a few different additions then in like the next phase it was the let's split them up into sub teams create a narrative give them the bad guys to fight and then um, but then also sprinkle in in that that second, we'll call it phase 2.5, mm-hmm. <laughs> sprinkling in the G.I. Joe aspects. And then what we get following that is, again, like almost like, well, let's just do all G.I. Joe now. Let's completely put the the kind of 
the five point of articulation behind us and let's just card up gi joe figures and vehicles again on palatoy card backs um but we just this is where we just had like you know duke and roadblock and mm -hmm. and you know everyone was becoming like their normal action figure names like some of them were weren't utilized uh, necessarily because they'd had previous but we still had gung-ho in there we still had mm -hmm. scarlet we still had you know they still they kept stalker at that that time we still didn't have snake eyes at that point which you know you you might think that's odd but yeah you know, the most popular gi joe character ever exactly not there uh, uh what's his name uh uh rock and roll was a ton mm -hmm. up yeah uh, you right. know things like that mm -hmm. so you know we still had those particular kind of uh things going on um moon dancer version two and dolphin as well they were um so that was i think uh short fuse i want to mm -hmm. say was it was a moon dancer off the top of my head and uh dolphin was off the top of my head was zap that i don't know but i definitely know I think, the other one yeah i think dolphin was zap um i just off the top of my head can't remember fully on that one i think so anyway anyway it's not it's not important but in any case so yeah we had um that basically that 85 range was like let's just redo gi joe figures and put them out on palatoy action force cards and that's when the lot you know that's where as as, as palatoy were basically coming to an end in terms of a company they uh the this whole situation with general mills kind of you know a lot of kind of executives jump ship and uh basically palatoy was kind of left you know uh, was was basically just taken over by Hasbro, yeah. bought up, and Hasbro then took the rights on, and and that's what they were doing effectively here, and then with the rebrand. But then, what's interesting though is a lot of the comics that so a lot of the early comics, and you mentioned this before, um, the Action Force comics were battle action. They were in the the battle magazine, and so yeah, um, for those of us who grew up reading like Judge Dredd mini comics, it was very much or mini comics in Japan for me, but it was very yes. much a an ongoing serial that would be instead of having an all encompassing story in one or two comics that would carry over, you would have something across like 10 mini comics yeah, and yeah. eventually that became as it became more of an action force centric magazine as you mentioned those stories became bigger they had more page count um they had more character development sometimes um sometimes because they were more condensed they had less um but you had all of that put together um and it got strange because some story correct me if i'm wrong here but some story arcs I mean, a lot of what you saw in classic G.I. Joe comics couldn't be used in Action Force comics because Larry Hama was a master of having the never-ending story arc. Um, there's always something that's carrying on to the next episode or the next issue, I should say. Mm. Whereas the Action Force comics also had that, but they didn't match. And so yeah. you had to have sort of, even when the the Hasbro toy became action force and palatoy disappeared you still had a different narrative you had different stories with characters that you know and love who just did things completely different um so what's what's interesting actually at that point it's something to kind of kind of clarify is as as this change happened from like the 1984 sub teams into what effectively became just repacking gi joe 
the comics actually followed suit and as we mentioned before that kind of little spoiler we mentioned about cobra commander mm-hmm. uh, the baron the whole storyline um world enemy number one focuses around baron ironblood basically doing a couple of really ridiculously bad terrorist kind of things and then just leaving his red shadows to rot and disappears off the face of the earth and comes back basically as cobra commander now this is just a way of like the writers in the comics were just basically trying to transition the toys and trying to make it all retcon it and make sense right um without taking what was actually going on in the u.s at the time when so if you imagine then from that point on it was all stories about duke and gung-ho and Mm -hmm. scarlet and all that kind of stuff but it was still within that battle action force universe in a sense some things again you know forcefully retconned and and ignored and whatever moved on whatever but it was still like within that universe now battle action force comes to an end just as the you know just as the the toy line comes to an end in 85 and what you have then is like like i said hasbro taking over and just going right let's just let's just go back to what we know and put out gi joe but as action with action force logos in 87 and let's just basically put the gi joe range out um going forward so that's kind of what they did they picked and choose with the initial waves that kind of came out we had this mishmash of characters in 87 that were like from you know some from early series some were from a bit closer to 87 so there's like this really weird mishmash of characters and that basically became well those characters became the 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 focus for the new comics the new marvel uk comics uh which started off as action force weekly which That's churned right. out like 50 issues mm-hmm. and was just brilliant and some of the best comics you'll ever read yeah I, they're and I great mean that sincerely. right some absolutely beautiful i mean the artwork is amazing you've got people like um you know kev hopgood who was mm-hmm. just like mr action force You've got like, you know, writing from like, you know, you know, you've got Furman and you've got you've got all sorts of amazing people like working on, you know, on this on this comic, like big names in the UK comic scene that went on to do even better things as well. Like, but, you know, that what they would do actually in those issues is they would retcon some of Larry's A Real American Hero issues and they would throw in little backs backup strips from the A Real American Hero and they would you know, have to do things like change some of the names and and wriggle around with some of the, you know, mm-hmm. like Action Force has to be mentioned. Can't have G.I. Joe mentioned in it. So that's kind of changed. And and some of it is then almost forcefully retconned into the Action Force story. And it was really, some of it was really ingenious and some of it was just like, that doesn't work. But it was <laughs> it was really yeah. cool at the same time. So, but again, you, you've got to admit, like we were confused as hell as <laughs> growing up, like looking at these strips going, this has nothing to do with that. So what is this? And yeah. this is different art. And and then it's not until late, later on that you realize, oh, there's an American comic and it was G.I. Joe and Larry Hammer. And that's what this was. And you put two and two together and you get 15 and it's just what is going on here? But yeah, it was a, it was a weird and amazing time at the same same time. Because Boston was so close to Canada, I grew up uh, aware that Action Force existed. It was it had a different, yeah. uh, you know. Occasionally, you'd hear stories from other kids that this thing exists. Um, but then, when I moved to Japan, I had a British kid in my class who showed me a couple of the '87 run comics and went, "Yeah, I don't even understand 
what you're doing. Yeah. What what is yeah. this? Uh, yeah. Like some of the scientists, I, I recognize. I, I get the characters, but you know, why are we chasing a cobra frogmen through the sewers? Like, <laughs> I don't. I, what, what what's happening? Um, oh my god! And then let's let's face it. That is one of the most iconic comic covers I've ever seen. When yeah. you've got Snake Eyes and Scarlet kind of approaching from through through the back doors, for lack of a better term. Yes. And the eel kind of front and center kind of. Oh, it's just such a gorgeous cover. I love that. It but is. yeah, the Action Force Weekly. I mean, like I said, ran for fifty issues, a good solid kind of chunk of time. But then um, that kind of came to an end, and they they kind of redid it, and they they went with action force monthly and then again i love those monthly issues they became gi joe european missions reprinted in the us mm -hmm. uh which was cute um yes. but like again like that those that that run of comics for me is some of my favorite comics of all time people say to me like you know what's your favorite because i'm a big comic fan like you know i read all sorts of different things from like for, for, i'm a 90s kid too mm -hmm. and you know x-men was massive for me like i oh, loved yeah. the 90s x-men runs and just, you know, all sorts of different things from that, like Wolverine, I was a big fan of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And like, I, you know, I kind of got into kind of early Batman stuff and like UK comics as well. Like I was just huge into like 2000 AD. Yeah. And, you know, as, as most kids of my era were, mm -hmm. it was just part of, you know, your, your, your general, you know, that's what you ate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah. And so like in terms of comics, I've, I've enjoyed and read many, but nothing gives me more joy then go and I can do this like I could do this now and would not be bored going back and going back to number one weekly and reading every issue and the the monthlies and just loving every second of it and yeah. I think that is just it's it's yes the nostalgia is pretty big yes obviously GI Joe and Action Force were huge in my in my childhood my upbringing um, but at the same time they're just they just strike at the perfect note for me mm -hmm. as a as a fan of that kind of brand. Yeah, I do the I <clears throat> I do the same thing with the Real American Hero run, <clears throat> just quietly once a year. I reread all of them up to about issue mm. eighty, and then I'm like, "Yep, okay, I'm done. Thank you." Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, let's uh, we've we've been sort of around the horn as far as uh, Action Force in general. Yeah, done the history. Done yeah. the history. Let Let's dig into the visuals now. Let's start with the bad guys. Now we did talk yes. Red Shadows. If you are looking yes. to create Red Shadows on the tabletop. Um, as I said, all you would have to really do with the Red Shadow Stupor is find one of those heads and take a box of, and it doesn't have to be bolt action, like the Warlord Games plastics. I'm going to mention Warlord plastics quite a lot, not because I do the yeah. Warlord Games podcast uh, plug, um, but <laughs> largely because they have plastics, and plastics are easier to convert. Now, when I built, and I have built... 30 red shadow troopers at this point when i built them i wanted to incorporate some 80s tastic weapons as well things like uzis ak-47s not just the world war ii weapons although yeah they're in there too um yeah. and you know rpgs and these sort of things and so for me rather than taking and there are a million german you know, World War II 28 millimeter model, you know, models out there that you can easily chop and change and do whatever. But especially with the plastics, you don't have to cut their heads off. They're not on there to start with. You have to build the models. And so it's easier to make those models. But anyway, use the German trooper of your choice. Um, find a different head and go. Now you might say, well, that's easier said than done, Brad. Where are you going to get those helmets? Well, <laughs> um, reptile overlords... Um, have made 
had made red shadow heads that are technically sized for uh, Warhammer 40,000 Imperial Guardsmen. However, I have quite a few of their Cobra Trooper heads, and they fit my bolt-action models almost perfectly. In fact, I would say they fit better on that scale than they do the larger scale. So I would assume, now I haven't checked, but I would assume that they would work as well. Now, Reptile Overlords was were slightly hit by COVID, and I think they switched to, up until recently, they switched to almost entirely 3D printing files because they had to stop production of their actual models. However, I think they're coming back, and one of the ranges that they're talking about putting out again, um, as in in resin that you can buy directly from their shop, are the Red Shadows heads? You'd have to talk to them. But Reptile Overlords, great quality, um, and they have the head to make your basic trooper. There are, if you look on Thingiverse, if you look around, there are some free 3D print file heads out there for Red Shadows that you can get as well. Um, I like, as I said, the Reptile Overlord because it is a really nice quality. Um, That said, um, there have been, if you look around and you know people and dark, shiny corners of the internet, um, or sorry, dark, dim corners, not shiny. <laughs> dark, um, shiny. <laughs> that, that was not what I meant. Um, you can find um, limited runs if people occasionally do run, get someone to cast up and run uh, a series of heads. That's how I got mine. Um, I was able to order, I think, 50 heads at one time and nice. saw that that was available and said, yes, throw my money on the table, give me 50 heads, done. And now I have an army. I haven't finished it, yeah. but I have those available. Again, though, how many, just out of just out, just out yeah. of curiosity, sorry, as a as a bit of a noob um, with that aspect, how many would you have on the table at once? So that's a very good question, and it depends on the game system you're looking to play. If you're mm. looking to play like a skirmish game, like I know a lot of people have made Red Shadows yeah. for a game like Seven TV, which is a game that allows you to take any intellectual property and turn it into like a 1970s television show or um, nice, spy movie nice. yeah and it literally runs in the in as a act one act two act three um mm. it's it's very clever but you would need maybe 10 15 models oh, okay um yeah. if you are running because it's more of a skirmish scale if you're running games like specter using specter ops which is like a a modern uh mm. commando rating game again you would need between six and maybe 15 models. But if you were okay. running like bolt action, which is what I'm traditionally playing with a lot of these models, we right. are talking platoon scale. So you would need 40 to 50 uh, basic wow. troopers. So yeah. God, that would look amazing. And see, I've only, I've played, I've played um, a number of times where it will be like, you know, this represents this many, you know, this right. one character here represents mm-hmm. many. So like, I mean, that's having all of that out on once. I mean, that must be some amazing stuff. Do you, do you use like diorama based kind of uh, boards and things like that? Or do you have, would it be like kind of, you know, flat kind of terrain, should we say? So I have a little bit of both. I have um, a series of tables that I've used for, cause I used to run a lot of events. Um, I have nine yeah. tables of terrain that I can put out uh, in each one. So I have an Arctic table, uh, a, a several amazing. desert tables, um, you know, the, the ruined city that's been bombed out and those sort of things. So it depends on, and, and I often base my armies to match tables of terrain that I own so that, you know, when I put them out to play with them, I'd be like, Oh, look, they match. Amazing. Um, Here's another question for you then. Are yes. you going to be doing multiple different, say Arctic red shadows or desert red shadows where you could change up some of their 
visuals, but obviously keeping the uh, the kind of aesthetic a little bit. So Red Shadows, not of the moment. Um, however, <laughs> I have, <clears throat> I, I do have a full platoon of Cobra Troopers. I have half a pl- platoon of uh, Crimson Guardsmen. And nice. I am currently waiting for the last of uh, a full platoon of Snow Serpents. Snow Serpents. I saw you post that the other day and he looked amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, I need to get the rest because I have three squads worth now but i don't have a full army's worth but yeah, all right yeah. let's we'll, we'll get to that Sorry. in a second no no Sorry good track. question um but if we get to the red shadows they really do i mean if you have the basic trooper you have most of what you need for a red shadows army now we did mention yeah. baron ironblood of course the leader of the evil like you can't not do him in an army now True. if you go to thingiverse and you go to our good friend dr mercury's page um he has made the helmet he has wow. made a 3D print file for Baron Ironblood's helmet. So the very iconic with the eye slot and the, the, the grill for the mouth and still looks like Ned Kelly. Um, you can print that. Um, <laughs> I think he looks more like Sean Connery circa Highlander. Yes. Carry on. Well, <laughs> not when he's wearing the helmet, but yeah. Not exactly. with the helmet. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. He's like Sean Connery, Sean Connery under Ned Kelly's helmet. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's, you would need a character to, like, a model to stick that helmet on. Um, I know that Doctor Mercury himself used, I believe it's, uh, I think he's called the Future Man model from Crooked Dice Games because he's got Brilliant. the V on his chest. Um, and all you would need to do is clip that head off, stick the helmet on, and ta-da, you're ready to go. Um, I have seen many other versions of that as well, but that helmet is the best way, in my opinion, to make that character um, because. I mean, if you look visually at that guy, what do you need? Boots, the V on his chest, and the giant And a helmet. onesie. Yeah, a exactly. Onesie. <laughs> his he has pajamas. got like a little skirt, actually. It's quite cute. I quite like his uh, his getup. It's very, very progressive. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you look at the figure, it looks very much like a skirt. Um, I think it's more like the long jacket. Um, no, if, it's a skirt. It's, We're a gonna, skirt. it's okay. definitely a skirt. Okay. All right. Very progressive. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's but it's really. I, I quite like his getup. It's really weird, and it it yeah. It's almost um, it's almost like he's wearing a, a, a NBC suit in a sense. Exactly. Like you know. Right? Yeah, but yeah, I, I I I'm a big fan of that design. I think it's so weird, but works so well. It's crazy. I love it. Love it. I would say actually, Black Major is probably very easy to do, right? That was my next guy. So talk to me about Black Major, um, because he's based on one of the eighty-two models, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was a Action Force Commander repaint um, and Z Force Commander. Obviously, the the Action Force Commander originally, and then Z Force Commander. Um, but effectively, yeah, just a re- very simple repaint of that. The black with the uh, kind of like the the red the red V with the white kind of just like off border just underneath it and then obviously the the kind of um red shadows logo on the chest on the left side and then he's also got the uh the the famous kind of hat the the classic Mm -hmm. kind of yeah classic hat the red with the black visor and the black brim very nice for him i would say you would probably need a british officer from world Mm -hmm. war ii or you could use a commando uh model 
uh, one of the British commando models from World War II of your choice. Again, lots of different yeah. options. Um, but there are lots of different hats that would fit as well, uh, depending on how you wanted to do them. Personally, my Black Major, which I have the pieces for, but embarrassingly haven't built because I haven't quite figured what I'm going to use for his how body. I know, right? Um, but <laughs> it, the, the Soviet box for um, bolt action, again, plastic, they have a, a either an officer head or an NKVD head that works very Ooh. well for that hat. So all you yeah, need is hat. to take that head and stick it on the body, officer body of your choice, and you have Black Major. And all you need to awesome. do, of course, is paint in black. So absolutely, yeah. Well, let's let's now. I do. I think it, it probably should be mentioned here that Robo Skull aside. Um, there is a Shadow Track 3D print file available online. Um, cool. Yes. And I do have one printed in 156 scale. That's so cute. But there are, you can get his tanks, um, which of course uh, were the hyena to start with hyena. in Action Force. You can get that in uh, uh, either from a 3D print file. You can get it from Arctic Skunk on Shapeways. You can get it. I love the names of these places. They're right. amazing. Um, or you can get it from, there are uh, Thingiverse files from Jabberwocky and or just to keep those namings up. Uh, and then, uh, and uh, there was a company that, and I can't believe I'm blanking, but if you look at a running press, that made a shrunk down his tank um, that happens to be perfect 28 millimeter scale. And it was awesome. just a shrunk down toy. But the cool one with that is if you press the button on the, on the turret, it makes pew pew noises. But yeah. there's, so again, with a lot of these vehicles, and I'm not going to go into detail on every single one across the range, but you can find most of them on Thingiverse. If you look, um, if you're having cool. trouble finding a particular vehicle, uh, if you message, Cast Ice on Facebook page. I'll answer. Hi. Um, and I've researched this ad nauseum. I can tell you exactly where and when I got mine and because I have most of these. But anyway. Brilliant. Let's get Inc into... Incidentally, Sorry, incidentally yes. before you go any further, can you do Red Jackal, a.k.a. Destro? Is is that a possibility? Yes. Because if you're getting a hyena, you're going to want to do the guy that drives it, right? Yeah. In fact, um, a... a if we talk about reptile overlords again, uh, they did Cobra Viper heads. Um, nice. Yeah. And on the Cobra Viper head sprue, there you get a bonus Destro head. That's brilliant. Yeah. And the Cobra Trooper head sprue comes with Cobra Commander's uh, hard oh. head. Yeah. The, the shell helmet. Which means, which means you can do... What's his uh, red laser? Because yes. red laser was actually a Cobra Commander original Cobra Commander repaint. Correct. Which is which makes everything really confusing when you think you've got Baron Ironblood in that range, he becomes Cobra Commander, and then you've got a Cobra Commander figure which is repainted to be a completely different character. It's mm -hmm. just like the most confusing line ever. And to make matters worse, if you want to go to the uh, hassle-free miniatures and you go to their, I think it's called Island of Golgo. Um, range in their post-apocalyptic, they do make a model, and it's not called Cobra Commander, but it's Cobra Commander. Um, and if you he, he's pictured with a with a face like a normal face with a beret and I think an eye patch, but if you click on the model, he comes with an alternate head, which is Amazing. Cobra Commander. But it's the full outfit down to his traditional pistol. Perfect, which is amazing. 
love Perfect. love the people are getting around the licensing. Anyway, <clears throat> do you? But but would you do a um, laser exterminator? Would you do like a kind of like some sort of kind of um, just standard kind of uh, mm-hmm. what are they called like a. I'm now I'm blanking. Thanks. You've you've made Thanks. I've caught it. You know, just like a, a surface to air kind of missile launch type thing. Yeah, basically. So the HAL is the laser, and the the giant laser cannon, which was reused for the Red Shadows, repainted. Um, that red laser, of course, pilots guns, um, <laughs> whatever you would say, operates. Um, if you go, and again, guys, I can talk about this with you online ad nauseum. I don't think. I should probably go through all of these online. Sorry. Um, no, no, that's all right. This is. I'm glad you brought that up because I did mean to mention it and I forgot. Um, in the 80s, there was an alternate range of die-cast reissue of G.I. Joe classic vehicles. There's a Vamp. There's a Mobat. There's a HAL, which is the laser Brilliant. cannon. There's Brilliant. the Flak attack gun. And there's the MMS missile system. They happen to be, if you don't include the Mobat, the others are perfect 156, 28 millimeter scale. So they literally work perfectly. So all you would need to do for Red Laser's gun is hunt one of those down on eBay. I got one that was fairly mangled, um, but what that meant was the paint was chipped. Now, for me, that doesn't matter because I'm repainting it. So I got that the flak and the missile system missing a missile all for i think $15 US. Nice. So they're usually a lot more expensive than that, but if you are looking to do what I'm doing, which is repaint them to match and if you're doing action force, all of those were repainted in different colors, um those three things that I just mentioned, uh and you know, you can get all of them for fairly cheap. So yeah. And I also got the um, I also have the vamp, as I mentioned, but the vamp was missing a gun. Again, 3D print files are available online. I got a gun printed in the right scale to match my vamp. Done. Bob's your uncle. Ready to go. Fanny's your aunt. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Bob's your <laughs> uncle. Fanny's your aunt. That's the name. That's the full, <laughs> there we the go. full colloquialism. <laughs> I've never heard the other part of that. Anyway, and <laughs> um, Well, hold on. Let's, so we've talked quite a lot about Red Shadows. And let's get into SAS Force because they're the other big, I mean, Z Force, Q Force, and Space Force, very iconic as well. But Mm -hmm. as you say, SAS may be the most popular. They're like the snake eyes of Action Force, if I'm reading this right. Totally. Um, So let's talk about them. Now, again, if you go to World War II ranges and get a lot of commando models, um, there are a ton of different, and you'd have to find your particular flavor out there, but there are a ton of particular uh, you know, gas mask heads that you can get for this scale. Um, Warlord Games has Conflict 47, the Weird War rules. If you look through their helmet selection, there are a number of gas mask heads. I mean, there's just gas mask heads till the cows come home if you look around at different companies, but they all tend to match that scale. And I believe for SAS Force, they would be using... World War II British commando garb with possibly yeah. newer weapons. Am I am I getting that right? 100%, yeah. I mean, like, for the most part, you're looking at very basic, you know, all black, your kind of fatigues. And then um, in, in terms of, like, any kind of, like, like with the heads, you're only really looking at, like, like you said, the gas mask or respirator, as a, my dad used to call it, mm-hmm. um, the pilot helmet for the pilot, 
and then you've also got the kind of kind of almost like the uh, the skull cap, not skull cap, what they call like the beanie hat, the beanie hats, or, which yeah, like the beanie, yeah, which World War Two commandos naturally come with, so they would be yeah. perfect, yeah, perfect, yeah, and then uh, other than that, you've just got the odd. The kind of the odd one out here and there, which would be the G.I. Joe kind of replacements where you've got Tripwire, who became mm-hmm. Blade, uh, yeah, Blades. You've got, um, let me think, uh, like I said, Stalker, who was Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the other one, Hunter, that's the one I'm thinking of. Hunter, who was basically a repainted friggin' Cobra Trooper, like that's a Cobra right. Officer, sorry. So it's like, what? Like yeah. again, like the confusion that goes through your mind here is insane. But he was a really cool repaint, like SS on the chest, uh, all black with the gray and blue web gear, the gray face mask, mm-hmm. black helmet. Where you go? And again, Cobra Troopers, Reptile Overlords, ready to go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, literally the SAS stuff in particular. If you know where to look to find the GI Joe vehicles to line up with that, um, and then you go with largely commando models you you'll, yes to match the individual characters you will have to go into more depth and maybe add some gear from different places yeah. you're going to be this is one of the more one of the easiest ranges to cut and paste over onto a visual tabletop because again you don't have to be perfect depends on how ocd you are but you just need black the visual is cues. very forgiving as well isn't it let's face it, is. it i mean you paint something black you can just, yeah that's what it is <laughs> exactly but i mean if you if you start with the world war ii commando and paint it black you're gonna be done pretty darn close also um frogman do you have uh frogman mm-hmm. in that kind of scale too because i mean then you can have barracuda who is very cool Crooked Dice makes fantastic Frogman models. There's only three of them in the range, but they are excellent. If you are doing some yeah. one-off characters, he's going to be there. Uh, that's where I got my torpedo for my GI Joe team. Oh, so. purple torpedo is perfect because mm-hmm. effectively that's what the that's what the SS Frogman looks like, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just paint them all black. Away you go. Done. Done. Yes. <laughs> well, let's get into something that's a little more colorful, but is still very militaristic, and that is Zed Force. Now, Zed Thank Force. Thank you for saying Zed, by the way. Oh well, enough time in Australia. Z Force. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we talk Zed Force, uh, they're they're traditionally they're rather than black, they are wearing the dark green with the black camouflage mm-hmm. stripes on them. How would you go about creating? Um, what, what what basic World War II-esque analogs were the basic troopers for Zed Force? Because we did talk about how many Paris. there were and how many died. Um, yeah, I mean, British so paratroopers, like, right? Yeah, skip, skip, skip the Captain Skip. He is basically a paratrooper. He's like a two-para kind of style with the beret and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, the commander's like, you know, as we discussed already, he is effectively Black Major. So you could just do that, but green with you know, the black and red going on in there. Uh, he is actually really basic, the commander. He was a mail-in. Um, I really, really enjoyed the, that kind of, you know, it's really, he's got like almost like the sweater underneath the the V-neck mm-hmm. kind of squidging out. It's almost like a, a what they're called, like a, um, like a little scarf almost. Um, but yeah, if you've got anything like that, what cravat? Is cravat. What I think. almost said carafe, but I was like, no, that's I what you put your juice like... in. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said giraffe, which would make no sense at all. <laughs> but it's it's neck related, but not yes. in the same way. Correct. Um, so yeah, obviously you've got that to kind of look look at uh, in terms of that. In terms of like, say like the infantrymen, that would be slightly more difficult, I think, because they've got this kind of very 
almost like interesting hood over a hat mm-hmm. or like a peaked hat with goggles. So if you've got anything like that on my, on your mind, I mean, uh, what what do you think you could use for an infantryman? Because that would be difficult. I, think. I was thinking you would use as a base British paratroopers in general. Okay. Um, because okay. they would have the smock. But then again, I was I was getting a little. This was one that I'm still working out. So maybe I'll have to come yeah. back to the basic trooper on that one. Mm. But a lot of the Z Force troopers, again, you can use um, commando models. You can use basic British troopers with head swaps. And I think you could probably get away with, uh, well, not get away with, I think you probably should use British paratrooper models from around the place. But yeah, that head, that might be something that someone has to 3D sculpt up at some point. Internet, I hope you're listening. People who have skills. (laughs) Internet, are you listening? Um, Also, I think you get some interesting things with Z-Force here where you get like the Minesweeper and the Medic. Mm -hmm. And what is interesting about these two characters is they're wearing that kind of like almost like you could you could say, you know, German Stormtrooper helmet. Or you Mm -hmm. could say more more, you know, if you want to kind of in keeping with a more, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, allies should we say yeah then you could look at maybe uh like the american world war ii i was gonna say a doughboy helmet would be what i would put on the medic yeah Um, yeah and is i i don't have the picture of the mind sweeper in front of me does he have the same helmet i believe it's the same helmet yeah 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 so yeah again american doughboy helmet um from any world war ii american model on on a british body i think would fit that perfectly and then you've also got the cap, which can be used also for SAS, because we didn't really talk about the cap mm-hmm. in the SAS, but they do have a cap-wearing kind of radio operator for Z-Force, and uh, there is a character in SAS with uh, with the cap as well. Yeah. So again, Field that's caps, two yeah. birds, one stone, I guess. Yeah, Exactly. And again, tons of those in World War II. You just have to find the one that you think suits best. You may have to scrape a little detail off, depending on if you're using a German one or not. But I think ballpark... I mean, once you've scraped some detail or added a little bit of green stuff to get the shape right, it is ven- it's going to be, you know, perfect once mm. you paint it. Visually, it'll make perfect sense. And also, you can uh, reutilize the beanie hat in this range as well because uh, Z Force have sapper in the, in this one. Mm-hmm. Well, let's cool. let's let's jump, shall we say, uh, up into the upper atmosphere, and let's yeah. let's talk about the easiest range to do. Um, if you oh, are looking the, to, is uh, it, I, and I never, I was, I was going, pulling my hair out, trying to figure out, and I'm bald. I was trying to uh, figure out <laughs> how can you do space force? And, um, turns out there's a company woodbine miniatures. Uh, if Thank you, you look, woodbine. yes, uh, they have three particular, uh, ranges of models. Well, one range of models, they're sci-fi. But if you look, um, they have three blisters of uh, miniatures that work brilliantly. One is sci-fi laser troopers, uh, and they look exactly like the trooper who uses Flash's laser gun that I mentioned earlier. Brilliant. Um, Sci-fi deck officers who look like a cross between Captain Scarlet characters and Flash slash short fuse from the G.I. Joe range. um, Nice. Who are perfect for Space Force. Um, and then there's a hostile environmental uh, suit, which uh, is, and you'll have to help me with the name of the character, the guy with the bionic hand. The guy with the bionic hand is Kiwi, I believe. He is the um, engineer. Yeah. So there's a perfect model for him. 
uh, all of which I love that figure yeah. by the way it's un- unreal that figure so detailed and yeah. so cool but so yeah, yeah grippingbeast.com.uk uh, if you go to their woodbine design company within that and go to their sci-fi range it's perfect the only thing they don't do are the vehicles uh, and you might have to do a little converting to get some of the individual characters if you want to get in but they have um, <laughs> characters wearing caps they have characters wearing the helmets with the eye visor it, it it's so easy it hurts you would just need to Brilliant. figure out how to do the vehicles so yeah so cool cosmic cruiser take the wheels off a hiss tank and you're done yeah. <laughs> and stick skis on the bottom of it mm-hmm. and you you might be somewhere near a cosmic cruiser satellite defense is like hilarious uh and also has got all sorts of aspects attached to it i'm not sure if you're aware of this but the if you flip a satellite defense mm-hmm. upside down, you can see the remnant of a Millennium, Millennium Falcon. Falcon dish. Yeah, yeah. radar dish. So, so cool. you've got all sorts of like crazy kind of almost kit bashed aspects to uh, to the... And in fact, the Cosmic Cruiser has aspects to it that are from Jojo vehicles as well. It has the MMS so, missiles honestly, on it, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, not just that, but also the the side guns are from the Ram, mm-hmm. and the um, there's something else on the back as well. Like I, I, I think it's got engines from something else or something from a Vamp. I can't remember exactly. In any case, there's a lot of kit bashing going on early on, and they just <laughs> merge it into the mold somehow. Yeah. It's brilliant. But yes, well, that 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 sort of, and I don't want to say slapdash because that isn't that isn't fair. I, British I, I, ingenuity. Thank you. Like. <laughs> um, that British ingenuity that brought all those vis- visual elements together in a new toy. I mean, the way yeah. that was done really does give you a little bit of license as a model builder if you are trying to create these for the tabletop. Mm, yeah. That, that you can pull elements from different places. You can sort of scratch, build a few things and get away with yeah. it because, yeah. and I'm not trying to disparage the toys at all. They They look great there was that aspect so totally yeah it i think it this project if you were to take that on would really lend itself to uh to maybe stretching beyond your comfort zone if you were yeah. uh, a model builder um and it would be a little more forgiving in that absolutely and also you're on your own with the triad fighter yeah, I'm not um, touching that with a barge pole. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about um, what I would keep wanting to call a force, but um, because it's aqua force, but they thought oh, nice. a force oh, sounded nice. bad, but so they called it Q um, for aquatic. Uh, let's get to yep. underwater. Now, for here, you yep. would just need um, you would need to find some deep some old school deep sea diver uh, models with the Ooh. big helmets. Um, they do exist ad nauseum. You just have to find the one to your liking and, and of then course you've got Mouton as well yeah exactly right from the red shadows um Shadow we didn't Mouton, talk about yeah. him sorry no no that's all right and <laughs> scuba diving just lots yes. of scuba divers and there are some great scuba models out there that you can use um if you want to see more about uh scuba divers if you go to the cobra eels episode um cobra eels and hydra vipers youtube video for um gi joe on the table t- tabletop by cast ice that's hi me self-plug um we do talk <laughs> about several scuba diver models if you want to get into particular ranges um yeah anyway cool so there and phones, can I just say, you could easily do some sort of NBC suit with that yes. one, couldn't you? Like some sort of like nuclear biological chemical dude with the face exposed in the kind of like tight, 
almost like really close kind of uh, headgear as well that you see on mm-hmm. you, that you would see on the SAS guys as well on Eagle. That's right. And uh, Eureka makes some excellent Soviet and MBC models that Perfect. really work for that. So again. Now, we could get into the more G.I. Joe side of things, but we've been going for an hour and a half, so I think we, we should probably stop. Yeah. Um, True. <laughs> but uh, going going ahead, though, I think that if you were to look at how to create, I think creating an action force army might be, and I don't want to say make this sound flippant, easier than tackling, say, a G.I. Joe-themed army where every single yeah. character has a different aesthetic, There were army builders, and there was more visual continuity between if you stay within your forces, even across forces, I suppose. Um, And you could really come up with a really neat army where you could have maybe one squad of SAS force, one squad of Z force, one squad of Q force, one squad of space force, or an entire army within a team. And you get really interested. And that doesn't even include Red Shadows, who you would just need to spam Red Shadow models till the cows come home and then add some cool, you know, how how you would make the robo skull? I'm still working on that one. I think someone's working on a uh, 3D print model, but it's not done yet. Um, well, my wife built. A, she made a 12 inch version of the robo skull, and it's 12 inch oh. scale, and it is unbelievable. Like I'll send you pictures. Please, that would be huge. Yeah, she she built it from scratch, and she also made the Red Wolf um, character, like the figure as well, but the 12 inch version. And yeah, one of the reasons we're married, in actual fact, it's quite, quite stunning and is in my possession in the United Kingdom. So I feel like I, I stole it really, but it's, in, it's an incredible piece of work. Nice. And yeah, uh, you, you'll probably be blown away when you see it, hopefully. I will be. Yeah. I, I did the <laughs> idea of doing that toy in that scale. Astonishing. Yeah, it was yeah mind, mind blowing. So just do that, but smaller and you've got one. Perfect. Yeah, I, I I blow people's minds by going small scale, but to see things blown the other way, I, oof, unbelievable. We want to, we want to make a one to one scale version and see if we can like fly it around. But I I'm pretty sure like even though it looks like it could work, it probably probably wouldn't. No, not yet. Technology will catch up someday, <laughs> and then we'll all have uh, flying skull mobiles to take us around. That would be insane. That'd be awesome. Uh, and on that note, um, when we start talking about one-to-one scale uh, robo skulls that we can all fly around to the shops, I think that's probably <laughs> our cue. Chris, thank that's you. That's our cue so Hey, I like what you did there. Uh, I think that's Zing. probably us. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. I mean. I do realize, and thank you for putting up with me. I know that today was a little bit all over the place, but though Palatoy's version of Action Force um, and then how it merged into G.I. Joe was a limited time. Uh, it, it did only exist for a short time. It did draw on you know, a decade or decades of, I should say, uh, inspiration from the 12 inch range. And it has, it's very rich and very dense. And to try and summarize that in, into one podcast is very difficult. Thank you for coming on and trying to do that. That is a momentous task. And, uh, you sort of shooting from the hip today as I throw you rando questions. So thank you. Not at all. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on. And I would say, um, as I as I jokingly mentioned earlier, there are there are the people more versed in this than I. Um, you know, like it, it, uh, not to plug other people on your show, but I think if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about uh, Action Force and the Palatoy era, 
um, some things to kind of check out bloodforthebaron.com mm -hmm. which we did mention obviously but it's an amazing resource for you know like the actual figures and the comic it's more like the comics just incredible if you fancy just reading you know everything that's ever been come out in battle action force then you're in for a treat uh also and the a few UK wilhelm screams too. Mm -hmm. loads of wilhelm screams Aye. Aye. um and <laughs> you'll see that almost every page not even like mm -hmm. every comic but every page um also other people to check out analog tony who Glad does analog toys up. tony mm -hmm. Dude is amazing, and like he's yeah. in the he's in Australia as well. He is. He is uh, an amazing resource on these things. He's done a brilliant documentary on the Robo Skull. He's done great stuff with Bob Breakin and other people that were involved with Palatoy at the time. Um, and he's he's releasing a series of videos at the moment, which are just brilliant on each sub team as well. So you can get even more information about that in way more depth than I've kind of babbled on about it. But um. And that's yeah, Analog Toys on YouTube, and he just put out the Z Force video, which is the last of the five. So it's brilliant amazing. As well. It's really, really good. Yeah, really yeah. cool. A N A L O G Toys, uh, and Tony's really good. And check him on his live streams as well. He does a lot of stuff with. He's really big into twelve inch too. So he does a lot of Action Man, a lot of GI Joe, a lot of all that kind of really cool stuff from back in the day. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a really cool guy. Uh, as, as well as that, I would also like to shout out Dave Tree, who is a massive massive palatoy historian uh eddie inman who are also you know used to be a huge collector of action force uh and all the crew in the uk who are doing amazing things with uh, with action force i'm gonna shout out martin mccanny matt paul um just, just to name but a few uh collectors out there who are doing great things um yeah just i just wanted to make sure they got good shout outs because as i said there are people that know more about this than i do who are more well-versed in this kind of stuff than I do. And I just put out a podcast and it just happens to be Action Force related. Now, so uh, I was yeah, going to say, like... let's let's talk about the guy who got me onto Action Force, and that's you. So well, let's talk about go. the Full Force <laughs> podcast. Where can yep, people find force. more and more about you talking about both, so uh, both we Action be... Force, G.I. Joe, and lots of other things? Well, we used to be a, a podcast that did lots, you know, a lot of kind of an audio episode every now and again that was kind of uh, related to Action Force and, and everything related to it. We kind of branched out a little bit earlier this year and, and last year where we looked at lots of different um, other things, like where the combined universe was coming into play. We looked at Transformers, Visionaries, ROM, mm -hmm. Micronauts, etc., Mask, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We looked at that in more detail, and then we spread out into even more crazy places street fighter 2 mortal Kombat, uh cops um battle beasts basically anywhere nice. anytime there was any connection uh, whether it be a loose one or a kevin bacon one <laughs> <laughs> we um we basically did you know a show on it now we've evolved and changed quite dramatically now we're a new source believe it or not mm -hmm. uh and i i put out videos uh multiple on a daily basis um whether you know it could be an act a new gi joe belt buckle has been found or you know anything ridiculous like that we t we we news burst about it so we've kind of become a new source uh and you can find us on uh podbean itunes stitcher youtube facebook and twitter you can find us on those platforms as the full force podcast and you can find me as diagnostic 80 on most of those things on instagram as well so uh yeah, yeah check us out we do uh, fun stuff and we do lots of it and yeah live streams as well we we do it we we watch along with action force cartoons uh, which is a lot of fun as well so you know check us out 
Yeah, man. I highly recommend, if, if I haven't made it abundantly obvious in the course of this episode, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. And one of the best parts He's about doing this show on, I, I get to have people who I really enjoy listening onto this show. And uh, this, is, this is Chris. So please check out Chris's hey. work because the man knows what he's talking about. I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. And like I said, I have been watching you since we kind of had the hookup. Uh, really enjoy what you what you what you do on Cast Dice. And also, if I when I get more time to do this, I will definitely uh, listen even more because it's one of those things where I want to enjoy what other people are creating. And it is just at the moment, it's just so difficult. And you, it's brother. one of one of the problems is because. I t- I've taken on a little bit too much, but I mm-hmm. want to like, you know, we have a Patreon as well with the full force. So obviously I put out new stuff, new stuff that isn't really out there yet as well with the Patreon uh, page. So, you know, if you're interested in getting that news before anyone else, then obviously, you know, you can obviously check that out too. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we've taken on so much now that it's just, it's, I just feel like it's editing all the time. And um, I know that with, as you know, it's not like you can listen to other things or watch other things while you do that job. It's like you need the visual and the audio of what you're doing. So um, I, what I, I, I do listen to yourself now. You, you've kind of been added to my list uh, along with uh, Talking Joe, who I used to be on with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chief Love and, that and Steve, show. they do amazing. And Ben used to be a, a, a guy on there too, a mm-hmm. presenter on there too. Another great show. Uh, but then also G.I. Joe Berg. Yeah, and those dudes are characters. on Joe Mind and so much stuff out there. I try and kind of you know listen to and enjoy uh, an analog as well analog toys uh, yeah. as well I try and get into because there's so much out there and I think that's just testament to what you know it's all about at the moment there's just so much cool stuff out there to enjoy exactly and uh, given that G.I. Joe of course they're putting out new G.I. Joe figures for the first time in forever now we're getting the new oh. uh, six inch range and there's Amazing. a new operation blackout video game that's come out or is going to come out i should say in october which i can't wait for which i'm <laughs> following you for for all the information on uh and then of course with the snake eyes origins movie which was pushed back into 2021 so i cannot excited. wait gi joe is on the rise and uh yeah, and I'm not talking about that awful movie, and I cannot <laughs> wait until uh, yeah that comes out. But yes, Chris, love, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, thank you, man. It's been fun. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, mate. Now, guys, I know that some of you listen for the gaming. In fact, most of you listen for the gaming uh, for this podcast. Apologies. This has been one of those vanity projects that you know I talk about inspiration, uh, and we don't do it often, but I do like to do it from time to time. We will be back to our regular format next week. I know last week was a little bit weird as well when I started talking, when I had someone interview me. Again, that was a listener request. In fact, several people, for some reason, wanted someone to interview me for a change. I don't know why. (laughs) It was weird. Um, But that won't happen again, at least for another 100 episodes. So um, that said, I have had several requests in recent weeks for future episode topics. I have a list. It's stuck to the side of my computer as we speak, um, right next to my computer, I should say. And it will be gone through Thank you to everyone who's reached out, especially when hearing about Melbourne's lockdown and wondering how remote learning's going, knowing that I'm a primary school teacher. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, I say that a lot these days, but thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for listening. Um, It it really does. It's thank you. It it means a lot that 
you guys listen during these crazy times. I just hope that you all are safe and well and that you're enjoying what we're doing here at Cast Ice. If you didn't like this, if you did, if you want to hear more like this or you want to hear less, if you have particular uh, ideas of games that we can cover going into the future, please go to the Cast Dice Facebook page, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, message the page. My name's Brad. Hi, guaranteed response by me every time. Um, And I do take your requests seriously and we will continue going through them. Um, In fact, this episode right here, besides being something that I wanted, was something that was mentioned as an aside in a YouTube um, response to one of the G.I. Joe videos that someone said, oh, you should talk about Action Force. Ta-da! Talking about Action Force. If you would like to hear more, let us know. We'll do it. But uh, I think this is that time when we talk about uh, the quote by our good friend Casey, Ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the tabletop games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But we at Cast Dice, more than anything else, hope that you are having fun. Good night. Stay safe out there, guys. Are gone and they're trapped by home.